Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number nine. Today is the Clint and Phil BS session. Today we'll be updating you on our 2016 hunts so far this season, what our 2016 goals are for the rest of the season, how to split family time along with hunting to keep the family happy, and also how to save money for that hunt that you've been dying to go on. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number nine. Uh, usually, Phil and I have a guest on with us today, but it's been a little while since Phil and I had a chance to catch up on our everyday things. Even though we are uh, good friends, it's very rare that we get the opportunity to actually talk about uh, deer hunting and the goings-ons of our, li- our lives um, outside of the podcast. So we thought we would take this opportunity today to have a bit of a uh, Clinton Phil BS session. And uh, I'm, of course, j- joined by my esteemed colleague. And uh, for those, since we're in the political sphere of things, whenever someone mentions esteemed colleague, that basically means that I think you're a, a big jerk. Uh, but my- <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Really. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying to prop you up, man. Trying to bring you up. <laughs> uh, but joined by, by my esteemed colleague, Phil Marchek. How is it going, Phil? Just looking forward to some us time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know it's been a it's been a hot minute. It's been a little a little while. We've had a lot uh, a lot going on. We've had a nice run of some folks on the on the podcast. So it's uh, you know we've not. Yeah, had, it's been it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Yeah, we've had some great guests, and you know the 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 I guess the byproduct of that is that you and I don't often get a lot of time to chat and catch up on a lot of things, just because you know with the with the podcast and the stuff we have going on, you know that that thing during the day that we do called work uh eats into a little bit of that time so it's good to kind of get caught up but so uh what have you been up to i know you've had uh you've had some big things happen over the past couple weekends i think you had a a wedding um (laughs) and uh Uh, geez let's see yeah i had uh my sister's wedding but i think even more important than that i cut my hair i noticed that i wasn't going to bring it up until we came on it was funny because i saw some of the pictures from the wedding on facebook i think and I saw your wife at work, of course, because she and I work together uh, right after the wedding. And the first I saw her what Monday morning, I guess it was first thing. As soon as I walked in, we were, we actually walked in together and I looked at her. And I was like, I saw some pictures of Phil on Facebook. It looks as though my man may have cut his hair off. I was like, but I couldn't tell because it, it, the angle you could have had a ponytail and I couldn't see it. I right, wasn't sure. Right. 
And she said, you did in fact cut your health. But she told me a little bit of a funny story about how that happened. And do you care if I share? And you can tell no, me. No, go, go for it. I'm actually kind of intrigued yeah, about it, this. I want to I see how valid it is. Yeah. So um, she said you were, you were sleeping. You know, uh, and you know, you, I'm assuming you pull your hair back when you sleep. You know, I had long hair uh, at one point and I always had it pulled yeah. back when I slept cause it would, you know, kind of get all over you and it was a, right, a disaster. Right. And she said, you woke up the one night completely entangled in your own hair and couldn't, <laughs> and could hardly move and just got, and got <laughs> pissed right. and cut your hair off. It's a, it's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that version now cause I, I prefer it. <laughs> I just let's, just let's just say I, I I I pulled my own hair like it got caught under my shoulder as I rolled over and it <laughs> I I pulled my own hair and woke up because of it. <laughs> I I prefer the I prefer the the mental image of you entangled an infant Phil entangled in his own hair rolling around <laughs> rolling around helplessly in his in his bed. That's what I I choose to to picture because for those of you that have never seen Phil in the flesh his hair was down to his uh to his buttocks it was um, clo- it was really close it was really close yeah. yeah so I mean you could probably almost strangle yourself with it in, in, in your in your sleep <laughs> it's not don't, safe don't it's go just... <laughs> it is not safe don't go all Michael Hutchins on me with your own hair you know yeah <laughs> we just went to the bad place and I'm really hoping no one out there understood what the Michael Hutchins reference is <laughs> If you know, I think if we go too far, there's no coming back. (laughs) Yeah, if you know, then you know, and you're also laughing. If not, you're just really confused, and I'm not going to explain it. (laughs) Um, But so, aside from the hair front, uh, what uh, what have you been up to? I know today you uh, you might have gotten a little timber time since I know you were off today, which I was extremely jealous. Uh, Well, you know that's the whole thing about um, you know being owned by a French company. Luckily, they're really generous with their holidays. So, you know, we get things like Columbus Day and like, uh, what's another day we get? Um, oh, we get like day day before and after Christmas sort of thing. It's, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I got I got some time in the stand. New stand today. Yeah, I was going to awesome. ask you, did you did you hunt the Slayer stand today? I did hunt the Slayer stand. You know nice. what? I, I saw I saw some first day action. It was nice. Uh, didn't didn't have an opportunity to draw back, unfortunately. But I uh, I saw a herd, if you want to call it a herd. It was four deer. Got one four pointer, three doe. One doe was was pretty big. If uh, if they had uh, come up this come up past me, probably would have targeted that one. But um, you know they, I feel like the wind was kind of wreaking havoc uh, a little bit, and I I think that my spot kind of got blown up a little bit. They they were trotting up kind of no fear, nothing. And then they just kind of stopped for a little bit. Tails didn't go up, but they were, you know, you could tell something was up and then little by little kind of worked their way up towards another path. And then they kind of just snuck out and I saw the whole thing, but there wasn't really an opportunity to, to draw back on, on any of them. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I got to see something first day out and, uh, not just something. I got to see four deer, some you know quality dough so right so it's good nice yeah you're yeah. Uh, you're doing much better than i have so far so, so <laughs> well, hey, so, you gotta, gotta get you out man gotta get I know. you out the uh you uh this was your first set of the year this is the first time you were out yeah yeah, yeah. like like i said i wanted to get out on uh on saturday um but i feel like the weather played a little bit better for today and then uh you know there's a whole family thing but i'm sure we're gonna get into that later 
Yeah, yeah. So, and then the weekend before, you had another weekend. You went to watch the Syracuse uh, Notre Dame game, right? Is that was that it? Were they were playing Syracuse. Yep, they were the. Yeah. Uh, that was MetLife. the one that they. That's the one they didn't get throttled in, right? That that's right, or the one that didn't play <laughs> a, in a hurricane. Yeah, uh, you know, nice. one or the other. That was a good. That was a good choice. That was a good choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wise decision. The, yeah, I. Uh, I, I went out this weekend as well. I went out on Saturday. Um, it looked a little thick where you were at. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing. So for those who um, don't know, I don't know that I've mentioned this on any other podcast, or maybe I have. So I have the farm, obviously, that I hunt a fair amount back back home is where I spend a lot of my time whenever I'm going to do, you know, for what I'll call it for back of a, lack of a better term, or quality sits where I'm really looking at the weather, making sure that the weather's going to be good and right. And, you know, uh, making sure I'm not burning out stand locations and all that kind of stuff. You know, the weekends that I don't have an opportunity to travel back, uh, maybe the weather isn't going to be great, or maybe I just have an obligation over the weekend that I can't, you know, spend the the six hours in a, in the truck to, to go back and forth. I've kind of taken it to hunting public land out here in the Eastern part of the state. And, uh, I found an area that I thought might be kind of good. So a couple weeks ago, I guess it was the first weekend, and I did mention this in one of the podcasts. It was the opening weekend, the 17th, 19th of September, mm-hmm. whatever that was. Yeah. And the, the section I got into just was, uh, I mean, it was really, really thick. It took me a little, a little while to hike in. Um, found a tree, climbed it. It could be a good spot. But really, after I got there and assessed where I was at, I had dropped two GPS pins uh, on Google Earth prior to going out there. And it was a 50-50 chance, and I think I really went to the wrong one. Because whenever I left and I did a drive-by, as you go up a little further, um, the fields that were adjacent to that section were, you know, corn and beans. Mm-hmm. And the section where I was at, there was also a field. Now, I wasn't hunting field edges. I was really just trying to find pinch points as pe- as things were coming out for the evening two feet yeah. is really what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, I was taking the... Um, I don't, I don't want to say the, the, the road most travel, but I was trying to find a spot to where I could at least see deer and then hopefully be able to tell from what direction they were moving. That way, if I wanted to move back in the timber on subsequent hunts, I would at least have a direction to head to kind of start to figure out where they might be bedding. Um, so when I left that section, the first hunt that I did there, I did a drive-by and I found that the better pinch point and the better food source was um, just to the west of me. Um, where I happened to be sitting, the field that was the closest, the pinch point to the field that I was nearest, um, was basically just a grasslands field. So there, I'm sure there are deer, I'm sure, that bed in there at, at times, but it wasn't going to be your big uh, somewhat early season draw or, you know, green draw, right, if you will, right. where, where deer are really looking for green food sources after the uh, the acorns are all, you know, kind of ate up from the uh, from the timber. So... As luck would have it, though, as I drove by, it's public land, of course. So as I drove by that section where I'm like, you know what, I should probably really target this other section. I drove by and someone was parked in that area Mm. where you would access it. Um, So which wasn't a big deal because I was like, you know, I can park another area and just take take a bit of a longer hike in. So not not a big deal. Um, So this past weekend, um, you know, or I guess two weekends ago, I went back to the farm and hunted uh, rained on me pretty much the entire evening. Didn't see anything, um, which was a little a little disappointing, um, but not too terribly disappointing since everyone else I was with that day didn't didn't uh, <laughs> didn't see anything except for for Tate. Tate actually took a doe, well, which Tate, that was a whole. I feel like Tate, that was, Tate just speaks to the deer. So I mean, that's, Tate he's kind of a deer whisperer. He's a, he's yeah, a deer whisperer. I, I've learned about him a little bit. He's he's a sneaky little yeah, listen, sneaky listen, guy. Tate, we're going out together. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Bring, bring so um, I can get into that story, but. 
here in a second. But so I didn't have any luck that weekend, came back and hunted this weekend and really kind of decided I was like, I'm not driving back home. The weather doesn't look great, but I do want to go out and hunt. So I'm going to just go to the public land spot. I'm going to try my hand at the other section. Um, so I got there, uh, I was doing an evening hunt, but I got there pretty early in the afternoon. Um, I think I was up in the tree by, you know, one o'clock or so. Um, it's a good spot. Um, however, right about the time it would get good or start to get good about four thirty. Yeah. So my, my position was as you, as you hike in a little ways, right. And then there is like an old access road after you get so far into the timber. Um, and then these grassland fields start out in front of you, right. Um, that are pretty wide. I want to say that they're probably 300 yards, maybe 400 yards wide. And there's a block of timber that sits right there. And then right on the left of you is a cornfield, a pretty large cornfield, right? So that was really where I was trying to position myself was this little pinch point that comes out to a corner where the deer really only have, and there was, there was plenty of sign there telling me that they were using this area to travel through, which it's literally just, you know, maybe five feet of open territory that they have to cross to get lost in the next section of timber. And then the cornfield is about maybe 10 yards on the other side of that next little section of timber. Right. So I was like, this is the perfect spot. I was like this, they should be traveling through here. All the sign is there that tells me that they're traveling, traveling through there. So I was really just looking to see some doe and does that, you know, that would be fine just to see where the deer were coming from. I didn't, wasn't necessarily looking like, Hey, this is going to be a big buck area. I was just like, I want to see some deer where they're traveling, get some Intel. And then I can kind of make my moves on sub subsequent hunts later. So I get in there and I'm sitting and, uh, about the time I get set up, it starts raining, which is par for the course for me. Like if I had a tag for rain, you would tagged I would, out. I'd be, You'd be done. Oh man, I would have tag, I would have tagged out all last year cause I hunted in a hurricane last year. And then every hunt I've hunted this year so far, I've hunted in the rain, which I don't mind rain, but at some point I'd like to see just like a little bit of like normal cold hunting weather. It would be right. great. Um, but so I'm sitting there and you know, it's four o'clock and you know, I haven't seen anything yet, which, which is fine. I'm sitting close to a food source. So I'm figuring things are going to start coming out four thirty ish time. That should be about mm-hmm. the, the bewitching hour where I should start to see some movement and so forth. And like clockwork, man, four thirty hits and I hear this bell and I'm like, what is going on? What is that sound? I'm sorry. At first, <laughs> at first, I thought my ears were ringing because I do have tinnitus from all like the the uh, the years of uh, being in a rock band. So I'm sitting there going like, are these are my ears just ringing or am I actually hearing a bell? And I kept listening, and I was like, well, what else could possibly make that noise that resembles a bell that might not be a bell? Right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, I see two orange things about 350 yards away in the field walking and I figured out that the bell was the dog that somebody was using to try to either run rabbits or pheasant or jump pheasant. Mm, so there, yeah. So there were some small game land or some small game hunters that were in the, uh, the adjacent grassland field that basically blew up my hunt right as it should have been getting, uh, it should have been getting good. So at that point I, uh, I just kind of figured I was like, well, I'm here, it's raining, it's blowing up. I could move. I really don't have another tree picked out to go to. This was my plan B spot. So I'm already in plan B. Right. Um, and, uh, so I just kind of grinned and bared it and, and, and sat through the rain for the, uh, for the next, you know, two hours, I guess, till about six thirty when it started to get too dark and, uh, and hey, hopped out hey, of the tree. Get some alone time, you know? <laughs> yeah. I had plenty of time with my thoughts. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I solved a lot of world's problems that day. Um, no, um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, overall, it's always good to be out, out in the, uh, the timber, but I'm looking forward to this weekend and today was great for you to be out, Phil. I was pretty, uh, I was pretty jealous cause we had a nice little temp drop here 
Yeah, I'll, and I, you know, I can I can certainly vouch for that. Um, I feel like I was a little underprepared for the temp drop. Yeah, and, and, not, under- and not and not because of the actual temperature, but because of the wind. The wind started mm. to cut, and uh, it was probably about I would say quarter to eight this morning, and I'm I'm in full on shiver mode. <laughs> and, this, and and this is this is after this is after I saw the the four deer go by. So I already had I just had some adrenaline. I'm good, and then they're gone, and I'm like and I had to come down, right? Right. <laughs> so I'm in full on shiver mode, and I'm just sitting there, kind of just doing the the sways a little bit, and uh, I probably called it I probably called it quits around uh, I would say maybe like nine thirty. Um, mm. Had some had some family stuff planned, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a little little chilly this morning. Yeah, you got to fit it in when you when you can't. I'll be headed. Speaking of family stuff, I'll be headed back to uh, uh, the farm this weekend to take Anna out for her first squirrel hunt. So uh, she went. Yeah, yeah. Look out! She went on her first uh, turkey hunt last year um, in the spring. Now, obviously, she wasn't carrying a. A weapon she just kind of went to sit with me in the blind and got to call some turkeys and stuff like mm-hmm. that and we shared that story here a couple months ago but this will be the first time where she's going to actually you know have a have a weapon and we're going to attempt to take a take some squirrels in the morning and then i'll be headed down to the farm that evening to hunt on on saturday so i'm hoping i'm hoping that i get to see see something i've been shut out a couple hunts but i, t- I gotta tell you we've checked game cameras and i I just don't, I don't have anything real promising down there right now. Like Mm. I've not seen anything that's really, you you know, getting me, that's telling me to be there essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know there's one nice deer that I've, that was kind of after last year. Now from a rack standpoint, he's not huge. He's not big. He's, he's just a big, really wide, abnormally wide six point. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's probably the oldest deer on the property. Um, so that's kind of why for me, he's kind of the guy I want to go after. Cause even though his rack isn't super impressive, he's probably the smartest and, and wisest deer in the, uh, in the entire herd. Um, just his body and everything last year kind of told me he was probably three and a half in, mm-hmm. in looking at him. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, into, I'm suspecting he's four and a half this year. If my, if my aging was, was correct or, or close to correct. Um, so that's kind of the guy I'm going after, but he doesn't show up on our farm till around, uh, Halloween. So that gotcha. was that's yeah. when I've gotten the first images of him. So he has another couple of weeks before he shows up. But other than that, I've not had anything down there that's really piqued my interest. A couple decent eight Pennsylvania decent eight points that that I've seen, but nothing like we've had the past two years where there was always you know one or two where you were like, yeah, you know those are those are really good Pennsylvania deer. Right. Um, so you know I'm hoping that uh, as things start to pick up as as far as the 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 bucks goes, I'm hoping as as they start to get a little more testy and start start making scrapes and stuff like that, that I'll I'll get a few more on uh, on camera and uh, have a few to have a few to chase. But yeah, time well, will if, tell, I guess. If if uh, if you have an opportunity to go after that six, I mean, uh, the fact that it's older is a good thing. But you know, if it's if it is four and a half and possibly even five and a half, depending on you know whether how close in age you are with that. Uh, yeah, you may just want to get that out of the herd. I mean, if it's a if it's an abnormally wide six, but it's not going to get any bigger or any more points, then you know maybe it's just it's best to to clear that one out. Yeah, I mean, I would like to go after him just because I think he's 
like I said, I think he is the oldest deer, and it would be great to actually take a mature deer, a mature buck off of it, regardless of the of the rack size. Right. Um, you know, they're obviously the hardest ones to kind of go after because they, you know, they don't live live a long time by being stupid. So uh, they've, right. learned a few, they've learned especially, they've learned a few especially things. Especially in PA. Yeah, figured out how not. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> figured out how not to get shot in Pennsylvania um, as a deer is is, is uh, quite commendable. But uh, that's the, the, the updates I have as far as the, the hunting front goes. So as I mentioned at the top here, this session today is going to be more of a, a Clinton-Phil BS section. So, Phil, I'm going to throw out a couple topics here for you. And I was thinking uh, for today, usually when we have guests on, we're super prepared with uh, you know understanding what we're going to talk about, what type of topics we would like to cover. We usually have a guest on that has you know, a certain level of expertise. Unfortunately, today you guys just get Phil and I. Um, you know, combined expertise. Yeah, combined <laughs> expertise. Um, so I figured today we would just kind of cover what uh, what our hunting goals are for this year. You know, you and I have a, have some experience, some expertise maybe in this area of how you balance and manage family time with all the other responsibilities that we have, you know, as well as hunting. Um, we haven't had a chance to really talk about the Under Armour um, thing that went on, you know, a, a little while ago now. I guess it's been a month or two since that's, since that's occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was, uh, you know, I'm planning to go out West next September on an elk hunt. And a lot of times folks would like to do stuff like that. You know, maybe it's a bucket list item or something and they kind of look at it and think that it's one of those things that's not uh, attainable from a cost standpoint. Right. And I'm, I'm doing a DIY thing. I'm an average guy. It's not like I make a pile of money or anything. Um, you know, so I'm managing to figure out a way to get out there and do that and still be able to enjoy my whitetail hunting and stuff. So I have a little trick for, you know, saving money for those types of things that might be able to help a few folks out, whether it's saving money for that or saving money for that new bow or, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, I have a little trick that I might be able to share to help, to help some folks along. So are we adding, are we adding a financial segment to this? (laughs) You know, I've been brushing up. I, I've been brushing up on my, no, not at all. I'm the worst possible. This, this, this little trick that I have to help save money is like my daughter could do it and she's eight and be effective at it. It's one of these set it and forget it things, but it's one of those things that people probably really don't know about. So I figured I would, I would share it. Cause there's folks that I talk to that you and I work with or know, you know, mm-hmm. um, who don't know about it or have never used it. And I've managed to, like basically put it this way. We'll just start at that topic. Right. So okay. saving money for these trips can be, you know, a, a challenge, right? Cause the, they're, they're not cheap. They all, you know, have going to do any type of hunt has some type of cost associated. Right. So even if I'm going to Ohio to hunt public land, like I am this year, there's still the cost of the, the license, right. Mm-hmm. There's still the gas to get out there. There's still, <clears throat> you know, where are you staying? You still have to buy your food and all that type of stuff. And there's some tips and tricks to, to lessen the cost, which is, you know, some of them are the, the tried and true, the more well-known tips and tricks, which are, you know, it's great if you can share the cost with a buddy, right. Or two right. or three. So you can kind of cut the cost for gas and stuff like that. Right. Look for States that don't have, you know, like draw systems where the tags are going to be astronomically expensive. Right. Go to a state like in Ohio or something along those lines that you can buy a tag over the counter. I think my tag for, Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, was like 150 bucks or something like that. Now I didn't get a, an either or sex tag. I got a buck tag, right? right? Um, you know, so that's not too bad of a trip. I think our place where we're staying, it's you know, right now it's. I, I know you're thinking of still going, but as of now, there's three of us that we're going for sure, and we found a campground that we can stay at. You know, you can take a tent, but you know, fortunately, Eric has a, a camper that we're going to pull along behind my truck, and I think it was. 
two hundred dollars for a week for this campsite, and it has all the electrical and it's got all the hookups. water hookups, yeah, cool. yeah, and all that stuff. So um, we were like, well, that's a no-brainer between three guys. That's not too bad. And then whatever gas is going to cost to get out there, and then and then food. So you're into the trip for probably like maybe six hundred bucks, right. like all in to go out and spend a week and chase big whitetail and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I always forget yeah. the fact. <laughs> Easy pass. It's so conniving. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, it didn't cost anything. But then I get my Easy Pass bill, and I'm like, no. Um, you know, so I'll, of course, split the cost with those guys. And if you go, then we're able to split it right. four ways, and it makes it that much, you know, that much easier to pallet. But, the, you know, so when I started thinking about, you know, for the past two years, I guess I started considering wanting to do an elk hunt. And that's a little bit more daunting, right, because it's a little further away, takes more planning. Uh, the tags are more expensive, have to figure out where you're going to go. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, I kind of lucked into some buddies who are, uh, who, who are going and who have gone. Um, and they do it all DIY, which, you know, yeah, we might not have as high a percentage of running across a, a monster bull. Um, but, you know, they get into elk every year. And it's just a matter of what you're, what you're looking for. And in fact, I actually talked to uh, my buddy, Matt, who went, and he actually had an opportunity at a, you know, I don't know if you would call it a world-class bull, but it was a um, it was a bull that anyone on any land, private or public, would be proud to take. Let's put it that way. Um, he ended up not getting a shot for a multitude of reasons. Um, we're planning to have him on the podcast. He can tell that story, and he also has a great deer hunting story to tell uh, as well. But I started looking at the cost for the trip, right? And those guys have pretty much everything already. Like they have the canvas tent they pack in, and you know they have all the uh, all the necessary equipment to do that. Um, so really for me, it's the tag, right. And then the cost to get out there, right. And splitting gas and food and all that kind of stuff. And the tag itself, I think if you get the combined deer tag with it, it's a little over a thousand dollars for the combined deer tag. And then I think he said, you know, any, depending on what you're bringing and what you want to buy and spend your money on while you're out there, anywhere from like 600 bucks to like another thousand dollars. So for two grand, you can make it right. happen. I think he said on this last trip, he spent $600 like on the trip out there itself after his tag, wow. right? Which, which is pretty awesome, great. Man. Right. So still at the end of the day, it's like, you have to figure out how to come up with an extra $1,600 that your wife isn't going to want to strangle you over. Right. So secret accounts, <laughs> secret accounts, <laughs> kind of not going to lie. It's, it's kind of secret. Um, so the one thing that I use and actually my tags already paid for, for next year at this mm. point was, uh, is, is a, uh, a tool I use called digit. And I'm not affiliated with Digit in any way, shape, or form. I wish I were. Um, I'd have more of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But essentially what Digit is, is an online savings program, right? It's all based online. And once you sign up online, you do everything through your phone via text, right? So essentially what you do is you sign up on Digit.com. And you put in, you know, some of your information, your bank information. And, and I know some people are skeptical about doing that stuff. So, you know, read up on all their privacy information and all their in, in insurance information and all that stuff that you would typically look up and, and review for any type of uh, service that's going to be managing any of your any of your finances or that you're going to be giving access to your to your banking information to. But I read up on it and these guys are legitimate. Um, and so you, you provide them with a, a bank account number, right? It can be your savings account. It can be your checking account. So I opted to do my, my checking account um, because essentially what I wanted to do is basically pull money from that. Because my savings is what my wife and I kind of do together. And that's what we use for, you know, whether it's family vacations right. or whatever right. the case might be, right? Um, so what this what this tool does essentially is in some nerd talk here, but it runs an algorithm over your bank account. 
and essentially looks to see when your large expenditures are, when your um, when you have big influxes of money come in, so usually like your payday, right? When most of your bills go out, excuse me, and and then essentially is able to tell month to month what your average expenditure is and what your average income is, mm-hmm. right? And then what it essentially does is say, okay, so every month, you know, these these weeks, we could take. from you and you wouldn't be able to tell, like you wouldn't feel it financially. You'd still be able to pay all your bills and all that stuff, but you would save $30 this week. And then maybe the next week it'd be $40. Then maybe the next week it's 60. And then maybe the next week it knows you have it, like your mortgage goes out, your car payment, your student loan bill or whatever. It knows you're kind of tight that week. So maybe it takes $2 and it does it without you knowing. And it takes an amount of money that you won't Hmm. notice and you won't feel right now the way they're able to offer this to you for free is that they take the interest off of it. That's how they right. make their money is they take the interest that you would gain against that do- the dollars you're saving. Right. So for me, it's one of those things where I set it and forget it. And I'm just going to be really transparent and honest because I think our viewers deserve that to understand how much you can get done with this is, you know, so I, I started, I started it probably a year and a half ago, two years ago, my wife and I were looking to buy a house. We ended up not, but, we ended up paying for all the, um, all the inspection fees from that account, right? Which was a fair amount of money, right? So then I restarted the account again, or not restarted, but just started saving against it again. We ended up not buying the house. And then in maybe, I forget what it was, however many months of time it was, we saved enough to pay to take our daughter to Harry Potter land, you know, for, uh, for a gift for her, right? It, it paid for all the plane tickets and so nice. on and so forth. Um, and then I decided I wanted to go do this elk hunt. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to spend any more of the money that's in that account. You know, we took out the money that was for Harry Potter land and I started saving again, which was probably around April ish. Um, and I stopped it for a little while just because I had some other things going on that I needed to take care of and didn't want additional money coming out. And at this point, it's like I have the a thousand and whatever dollars I need to pay for my elk tag. So my elk trip is already paid for and I haven't nice. even thought about it. Yeah. So. And I'll just continue to let that run out. I'll, you know, put another five, six, seven hundred dollars into that account. And then by the time I get ready to go for my elk trip, that's already paid for. And I don't even have to think about it. So, yeah. So it's one of those things where if you just set something up like that and let that small amount of money kind of trickle into this account that you don't feel it adds up over time and then you can maybe take an elk hunt and, you know, and I'm not saying you have to do it in a year or maybe you let it set for two years, whatever the, whatever the case is, you know, whatever you can manage. Um, but there's a way to make those things happen. So I just figured it would be worth sharing, um, to some folks out there who've been thinking about doing maybe one of those hunts or maybe leasing a property or whatever, thinking that maybe it's, it's out of their reach. Um, but if you set some things in place and kind of make a plan and stick to it there, you know, it's possible to do. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Dakova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. 
They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, have I convinced you, Phil? Are you going to work? Are you going to work on the digit? Because if you are, I'll send you my link and I get five bucks. <laughs> do, 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 should, can I just give you five bucks next time I see you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I figured I'll, I'll put that toward my elk account. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Go buy some jerky or something. Yeah, yeah some exactly. real nice like. Right. So to dive into <sighs> other things. So the other flip side of that is uh well we'll, we'll jump into a couple things here to change gears um so i thought it would be good to do or interesting to talk about what our goals are for this year because everybody kind of goes into the hunting season and, and some folks just kind of you know have different reasons for you know going into the season you know or different feelings about it um and i used to be one of those guys that really just kind of jumped into it and really didn't have any thought about what i wanted to get done or anything like that and it wasn't until the past couple of years where i really started you know doing more game planning you know and if you follow the blog at all you can kind of see that that really started maybe you know two years ago when i started really focusing on um you know managing our farm you know for for better habitat and putting in food plots and thinking more holistically about the deer herd and the habitat at at the farm and so forth um so as the years have kind of started to go by it's like every year i start to kind of create what my goals are um and i try to do them within the window or realm of of uh realism you know or what i can actually obtain mm-hmm. um so we'll uh, start with you phil what are your hunting goals for this 2016 hunting season i think it would go without saying to uh at least put something in the freezer i mean that's that's a baseline goal i feel like that's probably a goal of almost anybody but i mean gotta start somewhere right right um you know it's it's funny for for the longest time i was i always thought that uh, you know, getting that big buck, like that, getting that big buck and, and, uh, and having, having something put on the wall was, was the goal. And then I kind of strayed away from that and not that it was intentional or whatever. It was just, I kind of moved away and said, you know what, I want to, I want to feed my family better. Uh, I want to spend some time outside. I want to, uh, I want to see what's really going on with the herd and, and, and understand a little bit better of, of, uh, how they're moving around, what the status, what the health of the, of the herd, of the herd is. And, uh, and you know, ironically, I find myself going back to, <laughs> I want to get that big buck this year <laughs> because well, after last year, after last year's miss, man, who could blame? Oh him? yeah. Tell me about it. Let's, let's not ever talk about it again. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, well with, um, with my wife being pregnant and, uh, and we're expecting uh, a boy in February, <clears throat> she wanted to put up antlers in uh in his room and awesome yeah super awesome uh but she doesn't want to put up the mount that i have because she thinks that's super creepy (laughs) it's it's a it's a full like quarter shoulder turn mount um right too lifelike for but she'd totally get down for the uh a european mount Um, nice yeah so Did did i sell her did i sell her on that i you know what you must have because i had been talking about it and showing her uh some images and ideas for the longest time and she would just kind of dismiss them and then all of a sudden she comes home she's like oh my god i talked to clint and 
<laughs> and, he, and he said, yeah, you could totally do a European mount. And I was like, I went on to Pinterest and I saw all these pictures. And, and I mean, like, first of all, she wants to like paint uh, the the antlers. I'm, like, well, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a purist. Let's let's. I'll work. I'll, I'll work on that for right, you. Right, right. So anyway, yeah, just out of nowhere, it's like, yo, talk to Clint. Like, what are you talking to Clint about? Because <laughs> right. I, I I did bring my Euro mount in that I did myself right. just to kind of show her. Cause we were talking about it the one day and I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, I just did, I just did one. I was like, I'll bring, bring the antlers in to check you out. And I kind of was selling it kind of hard. I was like, yeah, I was like, they're, they're a lot more, you know, modern looking for decorating. I was like, they're not as, uh, as gaudy necessarily. <laughs> they're wi like accessible. Full, they're wifi accessible. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, they're much more chic. You know, you could definitely decorate around them. It would really accent the room right, in right. your house really well. Yeah. 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 Nice. I, I was selling it pretty hard. You, you brought out all those, uh, all those words and stuff. I used words. Used words. Good words though. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, you know what? I think, um, I mean, the goal is obviously to, to just get out, uh, see some really cool stuff, see some deer, hopefully get some deer. Um, but this year we're up in a little bit. Um, Need need to get a decent buck, because otherwise my son's gonna hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off on the wrong foot. Exactly. So have you seen any? Have you had any sightings, or have you anyone out around you seen anything that's uh, noteworthy? Um, or at least that you've heard of or, or well, aware. Of? Well, so my my dad, uh, bless his soul, he's still alive, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> side note. Yes, yeah, side note. He he sent me a picture of. Uh, Oh man, it must have been at least 20, 22 deer out, out in the backyard uh, earlier in the spring, and there was there was um, majority doe, but there were about three or four buck, and one was already an eight. Nice. And actually, no, it was probably no. I think about it, it was probably midsummer. It was it was already an eight. Um, so they. They were in velvet, though. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah. But, I mean, you could... T- I mean, <laughs> I say bless his soul, because he still has, like, an iPhone 4S. So, the, right. p- the picture's just grainy as all get out. Right. <laughs> and he's like, what, can you see it? I'm like, no. But, yeah, no, sure. You mean that You mean that brown circle thing out there? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, he, he, sent me, he sent me a clear one. And uh, it was tough, because it was down eating, so I didn't really get the full, uh, the full picture. But... It looked like, it looked like a really big body buck. I would probably I mean, out where we're at, two two and a half is old. Um, yeah, I'd, lo- yeah, I'd for love sure. I'd love to see a three and a half. Yeah. Well, it's funny for for Pennsylvania. I mean, most most deer that you see. And what was the st- statistic? Whenever I, w- I I was at a seminar with um, Neil Daughtry, mm-hmm. um, and he I think he said if I'm not mistaken that. In Pennsylvania, there is only one three and a half buck, three and a half year old buck per one hundred acres in Pennsylvania. That's the that's the average. That makes, if you have that makes if sense, you have yeah. if you have average to better than average habitat. So for areas that have less than average or you know, or average to below average habitat, that acreage increases with the amount of three and a half year old bucks that's on it. So you right. then go quickly to 150 acres for one three and a half year old buck in Pennsylvania. So for anyone out there listening in the Midwest that has a lot of mature, mature bucks Stop laughing. <laughs> running, running around. <laughs> yeah. And in, in Pennsylvania where, you know, if you have a hundred acres and you have happen to have one, no matter the antler size of that deer, that is a, is quite the blessing to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
So yeah, nice. um, so well, there was that, and uh, I mean, I saw a four point today. It's that was that was a yearling, um, but hopefully, uh, somebody doesn't shoot it illegally at some point because that happens too. Right. Uh, yeah. And exactly. and we give it another year, but uh, we'll see. You know, it's it's always it's always a crapshoot really where where I'm at because they come and go so quickly, um, and it's more it's more about numbers in terms of deer in general and not just buck. Mm-hmm. Um, so the numbers are still up, which is good, but I noticed all of PA, um, doe tags sold out or not, not PA, but, uh, 5C where I'm at and they're, Oh, are you serious? Yeah. They sold out, um, before the beginning of archery season. Well, that's a bummer cause I still hadn't sent mine in. Really? Missed the boat on that. I thought you did. <laughs> no, I sent mine in for uh, for back at the farm. Oh, I, I got um, that one first actually because I knew five C lasts yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then I looked and I saw that five C still had some tags left. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, whatever. I was like, I'll wait and, and pick one up. And then I just, I guess I waited too long. Yeah, now. yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, there's there's people out there hunting, but uh, I'm glad to see the numbers are still up. Nice. Yeah, yeah I think I think for me from. For my goals are, uh, you know, I for one I want to I want to hunt the, our mountain more successfully because right. I think that that's where a lot of the the deer are um, are kind of migrating to. That's tough terrain. Um, I, it it is it's a tough hunt and it's it's one of those things too where you have to be committed to know that you're not going to see a lot of deer, so you're gonna have you're gonna have several hunts where you might not see anything. Um, but you just kind of have to know it's like, I've found sign up there. I've found, I've, you know, have seen nice rubs. I found a, a really like the quintessential buck bed, um, up there. I do have a few images of bucks on the mountain. I did put a camera up there and checked it. Nothing that I was, you know, jumping up and down about necessarily. There was a nice buck that that's, uh, that I caught on camera up there. I think it was a seven point, um, looked like he was a two and a half year old. Um, nice. He gets another year on him. He'll, he'll probably be a really nice deer next right. year. Um, but wasn't quite what I was looking for. Um, but I, I do know that they run a trail and a bench that's further up the mountain. Um, then, uh, and there's a parallel path too, that they run as well. And I've had pictures on the parallel path of pretty much every nice buck that we had on the property last year, um, made their way through that camera, especially whenever it hit the first week of November, I think from like the first week of November through the third week of November, mm-hmm. I had every, I had every buck on the farm pretty much on that camera. Nice. So I'm committed to try to hunt the uh, the mountain more effectively this year. And the other reason, too, is because nobody else hunts it. So it's pretty much 40 acres of untouched land because, you know, all the guys I hunt with are a little older and none of them want to really hike the mountain. And be quite honest, I can't blame them. It's a, it's, it's kind of a hike. Right, right. <laughs> it's not it's not an easy hunt. Uh, really uneven um, terrain. So it's hard just on your ankles and stuff like that to begin with. Um, my other goal is to hunt the the the, the creek bottom on the farm because the neighboring property I know is holding a lot of deer because they have a lot of treetops that are down and that area was clear cut probably five to eight years Mm -hmm. ago and so it is nasty thick and we actually put a camera down in a different section we've never had a camera in before this year and Tate just went to check it and we had probably I think four bucks on it that we've not seen on any of our other cameras now one of them was a nice eight point you know so I haven't seen the pictures I don't know you know what uh how nice of an eight mm-hmm. it is necessarily. There was a nice seven point that was on it. Um, and then there's this one young deer that's this five point. But when I say he's wide, like it's, he's ridiculously wide. Like 
when you first take when you first see him because I have a picture of him on another camera. When you first see him, you just hope that you there's eight <laughs> on him because because he's that he's that big and it's not like he's spindly either. Like he has yeah. mass. He's just a young deer that has a really nice rack early early on. So you know he'll show some promise at least for next right. year. Um, you know, so I'm hoping to. I'm hoping that I have a nice buck that shows up on camera that I can target. I'm hoping Dirty Harry is what I called the uh, the big six that we had on the farm last year. I'm hoping he shows back up, and that will be that will be my target buck for this nice. year. Um, I don't know unless there happens to be another really nice you know eight point that shows up if I'll if I'll change my mind on that or if there maybe there'll be two that I'm kind mm-hmm. of after. Um, but we'll see. There's one who's borderline that I have on the farm. And I've nicknamed him last year Crab Claw. Because um, he had his right side was nice and was uh, developed, and you could tell he was an eight point. And when he was in velvet, it almost looked like his left side. He had four. He had his brow tine and then and, and three on off the you know the main beam, and then G one and G two, right? right, and G three. And but two of the I guess it would be the G two and three were so close together. Like when he was in velvet, it almost looked like he had a club. So, and then as he dropped his velvet, I could tell he just had like a small split there and it looked like a crab claw. So I named him crab claw. And then I had, I had a couple nice daylight pictures of him working some, uh, mock scrapes late last year. And I can tell it's him because he's has that same, he has a really wide split on his right hand side between his G two and his G three mm-hmm. and the split on his left hand side. Although he grew out of that crab claw, you can still tell that it has that same feature where it's a little closer together than, yeah. than the right side. The only thing is, <clears throat> is that he's probably... I want to say he's probably only two and a half this year. And so I'd really like to let it, I mean, I'd like to let him go this year um, because he has some mass to him too, which is the other nice thing. He's not real wide. He's not real tall. He's just a really nice Pennsylvania eight. If he would make it one more year, he's a nice Pennsylvania eight now, but if he would make it one more year, he'd be a really nice deer next year as a three and a half year old. For sure. So that's kind of what I have going on on the farm for my goals. So dirty Harry, the big six is the the guy I'm after as far as going to Ohio my goal is to I've kind of gone back and forth on this. It's, I mean, I only have, I only have a buck tag, so I didn't get an, an either, an either sex tag. So it's, you know, I'm not looking to go just take a, take a deer necessarily. Um, but I hope that I put myself in a position for some sightings, I think is what right. my goal is now um, to start with. Uh, because, you know, hunting a new piece of public land, never having hunted there before, just kind of going in blind. You know, I have, you know, Eric with me who does have some knowledge of, of hunting there in the past. So I'm hoping that'll, that'll pay off for me. But, you know, all things considered, I think if I just go in with the hope or the expectation of setting the goal that I have uh, a decent sighting over the course of the, uh, you know, seven or eight days that I'm going to be there, then I think uh, all things considered, it'll be a, be a good showing. All right, we're back. We had a brief technical difficulty for whatever reason. It seems like every time, Phil, you and I are doing a podcast, uh, just uh, the two of us, for some reason we have some type of internet connection issue that kicks us off. I don't know if that's some type of sign or what, but when we have normal, <laughs> when we have normal smart people on to talk about things, it, it never seems to turn off. I'm glad. I'm glad that it's just with us, though, because if it was with other people, I guess we'd really look like a bunch of hacks. Yeah, it'd be rather <laughs> we would embarrass ourselves more than we usually do. You know, I mean that's quite a lot, anyways. But well, I mean it's a it's a daily struggle. Yeah. <laughs> but the good news is, is it did allow me to run downstairs and, and fill my whiskey glass. So, 
I maybe I'm appreciative to uh, Comcast's uh, unreliable internet connection. I think that's Clint. That's what we call turning lemons into lemonade, <laughs> or lemons into it's Woodford a, Reserve. Well, that's so <laughs> good. Um, so I think where we left off was I was just wrapping up what my goals were for the Ohio uh, trip, which was really just you know I want to have some good sightings is what it comes right. down to. I don't I think the expectation of saying that I'm going to go out there and 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 harvest a nice buck is probably not realistic. I mean, there's go- I'm sure there's some in that area. I don't don't I don't doubt it. Sure. Um, but I'm kind of going in saying if I see some things um, that are. Uh, that are decent sightings i'll come mm-hmm. away with it you know feeling like it was a successful trip you know and, yeah you know overall it's to, it's time in the deer woods anyway so overall it's going to be a successful trip no matter what because i'm going to spend you know a couple of days you know i think a total of seven hunting in an area i've never hunted before which is awesome absolutely i, I happen to agree with you i mean um yeah sure it's lofty to, to think that you're going to go to not just a new a new location but a whole new state in general and think that you're going to come away with this monster buck i mean sure it happens it could happen and that'd be great if it did uh but i think at this point it's kind of like you know getting the experience getting out there seeing something new seeing some different lands seeing some different deer um yeah it's it's really it's really about the adventure really Right. And so then the second part of the hunting trips, and this might even, you know, kind of piggyback on to or on the back of the elk hunting trip that's coming up. So the challenge is, and I don't think that I'm speaking in any type of uh, unfamiliar terms when it comes to, to hunters spending time in the woods, but there's also that balance, you know, of family time and hunting and trying to achieve your hunting goals and your hunting goals being in and, you know, keeping the perspective of what you're capable of doing, given the amount of time that you might have to spend in the woods. Right. And family, you know, making that family time balance, especially, you know, I know for me, um, and I'll let you kind of explain first, but you know, (laughs) for me, it's the, the challenge of work, hunting, family time, but then also the other thing that you and I both do, which is added and different, is this podcast and blog, right? Which right. takes time to do it, which also kind of cuts into the to the hunting time to a degree. You know, I won't say that I I do this in, in, in lieu of spending time in the timber, but it's all figuring out how to manage that family time with getting mm-hmm. the podcast and blog stuff done. That way I can spend time in the woods. So it, how, how do you kind of manage that aspect Ugh. of hunting? i i I wish there was just a straight a straightforward answer it's it's it it differs um from day to day really and you know um i have i have that unique experience right now of uh of a pregnant wife so it's a little it's (laughs) that's a whole other there's slightly there's slightly um greater degrees of uh of mood shifts if i if i may um and but she's she's (laughs) Uh, been a great sport uh regardless but uh it's it's tough um you know this i guess this past well yesterday uh michelle and uh, and ava actually joined me heading up to uh to my parents house so i went up last night uh so that i could cut out an early an early morning drive out of the equation this morning and uh, just spent the night there um which was, it was really nice. It was one of those things where typically it's just me. I go up, um, I basically get to my parents' house kind of late. I go to bed, I wake up super early. Um, but it was one of those things where it was really nice that they came up and uh, I knew I knew she didn't necessarily want to, um, but it was kind of in the spirit of being together and being a family. And she was 
you know, to a, a limited degree embracing what I do. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we, we, we have our struggles too. I mean, not, not every, not every weekend that I go hunting, you know, it doesn't always end the same way. And even to that, like talking about how those things end, it's like, if I go up and I get a deer and I bring it back, that's, that's another day, day and a half, two days of processing. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause I mean, I don't, I don't take it anywhere. I do it. I do it on my own. So um, you know, the hunt continues per se. Um, yeah. and then it's like, well, you know, I just put 60 pounds of meat in the freezer. So, you know, saved us about, you know, $400 in grocery bills. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, my wife has a different argument when it comes to that only because I have to drive three hours to do it typically. Uh, so <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But, uh, like I said, we, we, it's, it's, it's a little long overdue. We got to get you out, out to, uh, where my folks are. Yeah, for there. sure. It's certainly a lot closer, a little more convenient. But yeah. I mean, it's there's there's no straightforward answer to it. it. You just you figure out how you can how you can satisfy your your wants and needs for going out, um, as well as you know understanding when you got to be home. I mean, it's it's just right. like any it's like any relationship, any marriage. There's there's always going to be sacrifice. So just have to understand when and where to do it. No, I I uh, I 100% agree. I think for me, I think what, one of the things you hit on there I think is really important, um, and I've started doing it, and it's it might be a little bit easier for me at the moment only because of the age of my daughter, but I've started involving um, my daughter in the hunting trips right, or the right. hunting the hunting activities, right, to make it more of a family a family thing. My daughter loves being outside. She loves you know yesterday she was all about going to a hunting store because she wanted to go check out she likes to look at the mounts she likes to look at the guns mm-hmm. she likes to look at the bows mm-hmm. she likes to she just likes to go um you know we had to pick her up a few pieces of orange stuff to take her out this past weekend so she all you know she always likes to also go shop mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so see, see how the, there's a marriage of hunting and shopping yeah yeah <laughs> um but so I started, you know, integrating her into those trips, right? So I took her turkey hunting with me and then, um, which was, you know, great. And it was a lot of fun. Then I'm taking, taking our squirrel hunting this weekend that we'll squirrel hunt in the morning. Then mm-hmm. I'll do, go do an evening hunt. So we kind of get the, the family time in, in the morning in the woods together. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, I'll go solo obviously and go do my evening hunt, uh, you know, archery hunt yeah. in the evening. Um, you know, my wife this weekend will likely come along because we'll be going back to stay at her parents' place. Um, and my dad actually is up for North, North Carolina is in town. So we'll be going to visit them. They'll be staying out of this little cabin out in the country near our hometown. So it'll be a little family getaway, but I definitely try to make it family oriented as much as I can, as often as I can, because it kind of alleviates some of that pressure. For sure. For sure. Um, especially whenever you have the weekends that I spend down at the farm, whether it's food plotting or habitat updates and stuff like that. It's like, if I can have them at least along, it doesn't make it seem like I'm leaving to go do a, a bunch of stuff alone. Absolutely. You know? I, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. Uh, you, you mentioned something too, you know, Anna, Anna's at a, at an age right now where she, she can do this stuff. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I see the pictures you post. Yeah. Of her uh, slaying 3D, and uh, yeah, I know it's, yeah. it's great, and and it's, it's the whole the whole gun thing is going to be a really tough sell for uh, for my wife uh, in terms of you know getting Ava introduced, but she's all about archery. Um, she she says, uh, you know, when Ava's when she's old enough to to be able to pull a bow, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a sufficient bow back, um, then uh, you know, if she's interested, we'll get one. And uh, 
see if she takes. I hope she does. But uh, yeah, it's still yeah. I'm still kind of like it's still a little soon, so we can't yeah. uh, can't push it. But yeah, and, you know, you Anna's at a really great age where you can start uh, introducing her to those things and and really involving her. Right. Yeah. So that's the that's the really nice family oriented sentimental way. Um, or consider a way to say how I ba- balance uh, family and and all the hunting hunting things I do. And some, sometimes other, sometimes you just you just bite it and you just grin and bear it. And, yeah, and you, you take just do it. it. Yeah. But I mean, my wife's great. She's always we've always had that type of uh, relationship where we've supported each other in whatever the endeavors were that we each wanted to pursue. And I think from her perspective, she would look at it as the alternative whenever I was in a band, um, you know, touring, doing the rock and roll thing and stuff like that um, and getting random phone calls from like, hey, I'm at the emergency room. You should come pick me up at three o'clock in the morning. I think she would prefer that I, you know, I'm in a tree at least harnessed into it that that the only possible way that I'm going to get hurt is, well, I mean, there's a lot of ways, obviously I could get hurt, but uh, we'll call that conditioning if you will, you know, there was a, a lot of years of conditioning where the, uh, where the, 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 the days and nights were a lot crazier. So I think the, uh, the evenings in the woods and the, the mornings in the woods and stuff like that are a lot more, uh, more manageable for her, but there's definitely, you have to balance it, right? Sure. It's like, you got to figure out it's time and place with everything. Um, there's definitely, you know, early on in the year, it's like, I always say, you know, what's for October, like nothing, at the end of October, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If we're going to do anything family related or we're going to have f- people in to visit or we're going to go visit somebody, like let's pick a weekend that we're going to go do it. And you have one weekend basically from the beginning of October until like the first week in January. <laughs> it's essentially, <laughs> I mean, we'll do all the Christmas stuff. We'll do the Thanksgiving yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. But by and large, it's like whatever you want to do over the summer. And our summers are jam packed because, you know, my wife works in education, so she's off in the summer. So we got to pack a lot in. in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, then usually in the fall, I'm like, all right, the fall's my time. I'll go wherever and do whatever you want mm-hmm. from April through August, <laughs> you know, but once September hits, it's like, I'm focused on, you know, hunting. Yeah. And getting ready to do it. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think we both handle family time. So I, there's another topic or one more topic I really wanted to dive into here. And we'll, we'll likely make this the last, the last topic here, but it was the, uh, under armor snafu, that occurred with the, uh, I think their last name was the Bomars in, mm-hmm. um, you know, Under Armour dropping the Bomars after the, the, the spearing video of the bear. I think it was somewhere in Canada. I don't remember now. I read up on it a little bit whenever it first happened, mm-hmm. but truth be told, memory's not serving me well at the moment. Um, but there obviously was a lot to, um, a lot said, um, obviously a lot, uh, occurred at least for the, the Bomars and Under Armour took some, some action that they felt was necessary to take. Um, whether or not, you know, I or you or whomever, you know, anyone else agrees with it is, you know, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but sure. Under Armour did whatever they felt was the, the thing that they needed to do. Um, yeah, I thought it would be worth kind of mentioning and, and discussing only because, you know, this is one of the things that you and I have not really touched on, on, uh, this podcast specifically. We've mainly focused on hunting, hunting strategies, um, you know, different products that might be able to help you in the hunting woods, uh, what our goals and aspirations are and stuff like that. And we've not really dove into any social topics, which with hunting, there's a ton. And I think as time goes with this podcast, my hope is that we can start to tackle some of those things, you know, whether it be conservation or, or, you know, things of that type. Sure. Um, so this is really kind of our first foray into that kind of social space. 
Um, and so I guess I'll, you know, if you want, I'll tee it up to you or I can kind of take the first stab at it. But what's, you know, I guess first off, what of the Under Armour fiasco, if you will, are you aware of? And then, you know, what's your what's your kind of take on it? So, I mean, I'm I'm definitely aware of at a, at a high level of what happened, why uh, why they dropped him to begin with. Saw the video. Um, it's I don't know. I. I don't. I don't think. I mean, it's 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 great that that you can go and and use a spear. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know getting back to the roots, I suppose. But when we when we talk about hunting, uh, and at least from my perspective, hunting ethically, um, I don't think a spear is the way to go, uh, unless you're literally point blank and mm-hmm. and you're using precise. Uh, I guess jabs, if you will. Um, I just I feel like at that at that range, there's too much that could go wrong, mm-hmm. especially with a spear, as opposed to using either a gun or a bow. Uh, granted, you know enough can go wrong with either of those as well. But with, right. with a spear, it's like I I feel like there's too much room for error. Um, right. And so your <clears throat> so your thing is 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 less that I mean obviously it was a legal hunt right? yeah so it yeah. was all licensed legal you know to the nines yep. there was no there was no issue with that you're more just considering the means of I, let me ask it to you this way is it more <clears throat> are you concerned with the ethical nature of how he's taken the animal or are you more concerned with the perception of how it might be perceived by the non-hunting community well, I mean I. I think perception is always in the back of our heads. I mean, you probably know this as well as I do as, as a hunter. Um, you know, I can't, I can't go out to, to bars at least, you know, where I'm at and have conversations about hunting just top of mind because people, people that we work with or in the industry that we are in, or a lot of people that we relate to or associate with on a day-to-day basis, that's not their thing. And, um, and Mm -hmm. I can respect that. Uh, but so that that's always that's always kind of a part of the conversation. Um, but for me, uh, you know, I will, you know, I'll I'll let a, a nice eight or ten point go if I don't have an ethical shot. Uh, right. If I don't have an ethical shot at, it. and that's I mean that's just who I am and how I hunt. I don't I don't hunt to hopefully kill. I hunt to kill. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to try and say, you know, I only got the rear. Hopefully I catch an artery and just, you know, close my eyes and say a prayer. No, I'm, I'm going to make right. sure I have full vitals and that I have an unobstructed uh, view and path to to the animal. So, right. I mean, that's he could, you know, he had an unobstructed view with a with a spear. I just think that there's too too much room for error with that, as opposed to using other means such as a crossbow, a bow, or or a firearm. Right, right. So I think, you know, I don't I don't 100 disagree with you necessarily. I think for me, you know, it's, it seems from all things I at least understand of the story that he was well. Um, I don't know how you say it. Well versed with a spear, mm-hmm. he was a collegiate javelin thrower, so he had the strength to do so. Um, he had, you know, from what I understand, at least anecdotally or just from afar, had su- sufficient amount of practice with it. And from what I understand, the animal expired no further away than they would with a typical bow shot, right. bow yeah. kill. So, 
all those things, if the, all those things are true, right, then I, then I, at least in my perspective, there was an, an ethical an, or an as ethical kill as could possibly be made, was made. I think my perspective on it is a couple things, I guess. One, I think, you know, if you look at it from the Under Armour side, because a lot of folks are in an uproar over Under Armour's reaction mm-hmm. to it. I think the thing that we all have to remember, a couple things I think we have to remember, is Under Armour's lion's share of their business is not in hunting. Right. Hunting for them is like getting sprinkles on top of your ice cream yeah. cone. Right? It's not it's not the it's not the ice cream. It's not even the cone. It's the added benefit because you happen to have a manufacturing f- facilities and distribution facilities across the world. Mm-hmm that you can make these garments at a price point that makes sense to where you could distribute them and sell them. And you have the technologies that you could place in them that would be a, would be uh, something hunters would consider a, a good garment. Right. So, I mean, if, if all those things weren't aligned, they likely wouldn't be in the hunting industry. They probably weren't going to open factories to create hunting clothing because it's just not lucrative no, enough. It just makes sense not, Right. Yeah. yeah, it was like, hey, we're already in the sporting apparel area. We're already in Dick's Sporting Goods. Why don't we just make some... Uh, camouflage hunting gear you know now obviously they went further than that because from what i understand their gear is pretty decent as far as quality is mm-hmm. concerned as far as i know um i own some of their base layer stuff which has always been good you know has always performed well for right. me um <clears throat> so but let's not kid ourselves here and think that they feel this deep rooted a kinship to the hunting community right um so i think that's the first thing I think, too, I don't think you can begrudge Under Armour for making the decision that they made because at the end of the day, they're a business with a lot of people's livelihoods on the line. Um, and they made the best decision or the decision that they thought was the best uh, to make for their company and for the future of their company. Um, they were swayed by a small group of people. From what I understand, it was something like less than 10,000 petition signatures for them to drop the Bomars. Um, but at the end of the day, I can't. I can't fault them for making the decision that they make. If I, you and I both work in marketing and advertising, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm a brand manager for Under Armour and someone comes to me with this and all of a sudden there's this uproar about it um, and I'm looking to protect my own job, what decision am I going to make? Well, as a brand manager, I'm looking at it going, hey, worst thing that can happen is the the hunting the hunting sector gets upset with our brand and we take a hit. You know, I forget. I, I heard some number like it's like they do like twenty million dollars worth of business, or maybe it's forty million dollars worth of business in the hunting sector. Mm-hmm. It's a multi-billion dollar a year business. I mean, it's nothing. If they lost the entire hunting franchise, they <laughs> it, would, it would barely really. be it would barely be a blip on the yeah. radar. You know, um, they probably spend more in marketing and advertising in a year than they make off of hunting in a year total, right? right? right. So I think that's the first thing. I think the other thing is, too, is people have to really be wary of the type of companies they support. And this just goes to show you should do your due diligence about the brands you're supporting and where you're putting your money. If it is important to you that these companies support hunting. Um, and I think the other thing is, too, you have to recognize and realize that these are brands. They are not people um, and they're not going to act as such. Right. Right. Um, these people are, are are guarding their bottom lines of, of their brands, and that's their and that's their job, right? So I don't I don't think you can think that they're going to react any any other way. The only hope that you would have is that you support brands like a, um, for an example, like like an uh, an Exodus Trail Camera, right? Who is a, a smaller, newer company who is owned by hunters for right. hunters, like that. You can rest assured those guys are committed to the hunting industry, well, sure. right? 
So I think you have to, as a hunter, when you're making purchases, you have to be cognizant of the types of companies you're supporting. Then on the flip side of things, I think, and then going to like where you went, Phil, with the the hunter's perspective, the hunting the hunting angle of it, I think it was a, it was a legal hunt, and I support anyone's right to hunt in a, in a legal way. And if it is a legal style of hunting, my hope would be that they would take the the measures and the steps to to hunt with that in that format ethically, sure. right? And that's kind of like the requirement. Those those are like table stakes, in my opinion. Um. But I also think that as hunters, that we have a responsibility for the type of content that we share out. Um, is it unfortunate that we might have to be mindful that we we have this successful hunt? So it could happen to you or I, right? So it's like we could have a successful hunt with a bow, mm-hmm. post something on Facebook, Instagram, what have you, that was an ethical kill with a with a legal kill, and still have people get in an uproar over it because we shared one glimpse of that entire hunt and they took from that one photo what they thought it meant to us, even though it was a journey of weeks of preparation and hunting and and years of hunting, actually, if you want to get down to it, because it's not like it, you know, at least for you or I, it's not like something we just started yesterday. Right. But you always have to kind of guard against that lowest common denominator, the the person who's not going to have the context, which is the majority of the people in your Facebook. Well, feed, yeah, it's right? almost the majority of people just in general. In yeah, general. You think about right. it. Right. So I think at some point the Bomars had every right to do what they, they did. However, I think that where they have fault, it was that they didn't think about the type of image they were going to put out and the type of ramifications that could have with folks who are that don't understand that lifestyle. Sure. hundred percent agree. And I think that that's where I think it's unfortunate. And I think that, you know, you'll have a lot of hunters that'll say, well, we shouldn't have to worry about what we're putting out in terms of our hunting, especially if it's done ethically, especially if it's legal, you know, we should be allowed to post whatever we want without ramification. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. In a perfect world, you should be able to do that. But sure. but the reality... But, but, but you are. It's not even about you should or shouldn't be. It's like you are. You're allowed to do whatever. Right. It, now, is it is it in, in your best interest and is it in... Hunting's best interest. Hunting community's best interest for you to do that? I mean, we all have to be stewards to a certain point, right? Right, yeah. I kind I, I kind of think that this is unfortunately sort of a dying pastime yeah you know fewer and fewer people are getting out there and i mean it's nice to see younger people and you know i will certainly try and get my daughter involved you've gotten your daughter involved um but the the reality is that fewer and fewer people are doing it whether it's because you know their thoughts are changing or loss of land whatever that is but um you know you really have to be a steward of of hunting in general and, and really put forward a really good image. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you do get, sh- you have to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, and hunting, you know, it's, it's not all, uh, unicorns and rainbows either. Right. You know? Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes uh, things go wrong even with, even with the best laid intentions. I mean, that was a perfect yeah, example that I had this yeah. past weekend. Right. I mean, we had a, a situation where there was a, uh, a shot taken and uh you know a a doe that was harvested but it was uh you know even the best guys make bad shots once in a while um and that's what happened to a friend of mine and it was an overnight thing and then a a track the next morning and uh you know and it was a uh, have to put her put her 
you know, put her out of her misery or like finish, finish her off the next day, you know? And it was one of those yeah. things where, you know, if you think about it to the f- person who doesn't hunt, it's like, that's the worst possible outcome. And I was like, you know, in, in, in the midst of it, you you feel terrible about it. Right. Cause no one wants to go through that. Um, no one wants to see, uh, have a hunt go like that. Um, right. but at the end of the day, I was like, there's three really possible outcomes here. I was like, one was, you know, there was, um, extended, uh, you know, suffering if you will right or something that doesn't expire quickly um the other alternative was that we tracked her down and and put her out of her misery right the Mm -hmm. third alternative which was the worst is that she doesn't expire and then is essentially you know um consumed by uh, predators in the area right right so in the grand scheme of things you know option two was the best case scenario on the second day you know which is what we did and we took care of it and you know, the deer will be consumed and, and, and eaten and so forth, you know, so it's not as though it was going to waste. But I mean, you know, hunting is a tough thing sometimes, you know, um, and even for the for the folks who care the most about it, yeah. um, it wasn't necessarily an enjoyable experience. But, you know, um, you have to have to kind of finish finish the job, so to speak. Yes, sir. But I think, you know, I, I think what, what we were kind of hitting at here is that there's. I think more now more than ever, there's an obligation for hunters to not only hunt ethically and do do things the right way, but I think that there's an obligation to represent it visually and in conversation the right way. And when I say the right way, it's not necessarily sharing what you do without a filter. I think you have to consider the audience that may see, hear, uh, something that you're putting out there and make sure you're pausing for a second and just saying who all is going to see this and how would they interpret it? And it, right. and is this, and is this doing, putting the best foot forward for hunting? Um, you know, cause I think, uh, I, I think one thing is true is that if we want to continue in, to enjoy hunting the way that we currently do, at least, um, we don't enjoy it at the, uh, uh, we enjoy it because others allow us to enjoy it. Let's put it that way. The, there's a there's a lot a lot larger voting majority that has a say in whether or not we continue to have the privilege to hunt than than hunters themselves. Right. So I think you know yeah. when you're having conversations with those who are not hunters, you know we should make sure that we, you know, lay out why we hunt if if they ask, right, and lay yeah. it out in a respectful way. Um, that kind of explains why it is why it is that we hunt and why it means a lot to us. Um, yeah. I've never had anybody that I've shared venison with that wasn't a hunter that didn't all of a sudden then begin to appreciate hunting. You know, there was a guy that I worked with that wasn't a hunter. Was I won't go as far as to say that he was against hunting, um, but my dad went in, on an elk hunt. And he got an elk and he gave me a bunch of meat and I brought it back. And this guy liked different types of meats. And mm. we got to talking about it and he, he's like, do you hunt? And I said, yeah. And I asked him if he hunted and he said, no, he's like, I'm not really into hunting. Um, I didn't really go into the question of whether he liked it or not. I didn't really want to get into the debate. So all I did is right, a slippery slope. Right. So all I did was offer, I was like, oh, you like different types of meats. I was like, you know, have you ever had elk? And he said, no. And I was like, would you like some? He said, sure. So I gave him a couple packages of elk. I was like, my dad got this while he was in Colorado hunting, you know, a couple months ago or whatever it was. And he ate it came back and asked me if he could have more and asked me if, if I hunt, you know, if I had, if I got a deer, if I would mind sharing it in the venison with him. And I said, absolutely. (laughs) So I asked, actually told him, I was like, I have an additional doe tag. I was like, and I'll actually take a doe for you if you would like, you know? And, uh, 
I didn't nice. I didn't get a doe for him that year, but I did share <laughs> I did share what I got um, yeah. that year with him. So you know that was one instance where I made someone who was a borderline I won't go as far as to say anti hunter, but didn't really care. All of a sudden now had an appreciation for hunting. Right. You know. So. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go too much further into because that's kind of a, a, a rabbit hole you could dive into and spend. Oh boy, I've I've spent many spend many hours. a night down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So just one last question on that topic. So social media, and this can this can be a quick one. Social media, good or bad for hunting? Well, I think it depends on who's posting. I mean, that I, agreed. I, that's another that's another slippery slope question. I mean. You know, it could be great for hunting. I mean, if you really get a lot of awareness and advocacy out there, but if used in the wrong way, you know, if, if somebody posts uh, an image of, hey, I got this doe and there's half its head missing, like that, okay, that's not going to, that's not going to push or further uh, our agenda as, as good hunters. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's a medium and people use it for good and bad, regardless of whether it's for hunting or not. Um, you can only just kind of sit and hope that they're being conscious of what they're posting and, and that it's for the best. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's a double. I mean, we, 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 we use social media, right? Right. For, for the, for the blog. Well, that's what and, I was just going to say with, without, yeah, so. without social media, it's like we wouldn't have any of the folks out there who are listening. You know, we wouldn't have any of the folks who hop on the blog and, and read the blog. You know, we wouldn't have this outlet to share our passion for hunting. Right. If we didn't, right. if we didn't have yeah. social media, but you're right. It's, it's all based on who's, who's doing the posting. Um, mm-hmm. and if they're, mindful of what they're posting in a filter because it used to be back in the day if someone shot some nice deer they would keep it in a, a photo album and i actually heard someone use this as an example they would keep it in a photo album right and they would you might be on a job site somewhere at work or whatever and you talk to someone maybe it's whenever you and i first started working together and we we both realized that hey you're a Steeler fan i'm a Steeler fan hey you hunt yeah i hunt too you know and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like hey we just became best friends so, <laughs> we, we should become best friends. Yup. <laughs> but you know, in the olden, in the old timey days, you know, I would have went to like my truck and got like a photo album, like a little flip book and be like, Hey man, check out right, all the deer yeah. that I got. But there was yeah. already a filter in place of like, I already knew that you were a hunter. So no matter yeah. what I showed you in that book, you know, good, bad, you know, or ugly, you were going to have, already, there's already an expectation, right? You were going to have context yeah. to what it was, Right you were going to have context to what the hunts were like, what type of energy you put into it, how much those types of things mean to you. Right. And I wasn't going to have to do any explanations. There was no fear of like a, a Holy crap moment. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. But when you put something, I mean, even to this day, it's like I tried to promote a post on Twitter with uh, the last podcast we did with Jake, uh, Jake Elinger. And Mm -hmm. it has an image of him with the buck that he harvested. Yeah. And, Twitter wouldn't allow me to post it for a while because it was not passing their whatever the what I forget what it's called what are the shock value or whatever like it took a really? while before they would promote it yeah like I don't know how it ended up getting promoted because I never changed the image um, that, that is that's crazy because I, I feel like most of the stuff on Twitter is for shock value right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all shock value like, I know oh, right I'm sorry that wasn't shocking enough right is that, yeah. is that the filter I had to pass yeah. <laughs> apparently you know uh i don't know what's even shocking on there i was going to try to yeah. f- say something witty but the <laughs> the bourbon took my wittiness <laughs> well, taking a lot more than that <laughs> yeah yeah well it's the numbing juice you sometimes need it 
Um, you're here. So I think with that, I think that that's a good place to, uh, to kind of end things, uh, before we get too far, too far gone on this. But before we, uh, before we sign off, is there, uh, is there anything else you would like to add before we take off? Don't post stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It goes without saying. Yeah. yeah. Think it don't. And it's not just thinking about yourself. Think about everybody else. You know, we're as hunters, we have to be a tight knit community. We got to look out for each other. Yeah. Don't post stupid stuff. Yeah. Here, here, I concur. And with that, we will call this a wrap. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play and subscribe to the podcast and have our podcast downloaded to your devices automatically every time we put out a new episode. Also, if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star iTunes rating. And again, we just want to thank you guys so much for joining in. The downloads continue to go up every week, and we can't thank you enough. Uh, and Until next time, we'll see all right gang the new truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on youtube below any of the truth from the stand videos I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code truth, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.